The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nath- my name is Nathaniel King, and uh, I'm a student at Midwestern Baptist Seminary, and I think most people know who I am, but there's some few new p- people out there, and um, I was uh, asked to preach today on biblical theology as uh, one of the second marks of uh, a healthy church, and uh, I had to thank Darren so much for giving me such a broad nebulous topic that it took me at least two weeks to try to narrow this down, trying to trying to gather a cloud together into something. And because, I mean, the truth is, is that biblical theology would be to sum up the entire Bible. I have to re- I'd have to basically reproduce the entire Bible. I'd have to get up here and just read from Genesis to Revelation. And so it's, wh- how, do we, how do we narrow that down, right? I mean, because we can't do that, at least not in in the time that we have here today. So I hope that this is edifying as I tried to bring that cloud, that, that entire Bible down to something that we can talk about today. Um, and so biblical theology, you know, what do you think about my, uh, oh, and this is the first time I'm preaching with PowerPoint where I'm not in control of it. So I'm not as, I'm not as delicate as Darren. But uh, I'll try to do my best. So what do you think about when you hear about, the, when you think the word, about the word theology? I know most people think about theology and it's like, <sighs> it's, one of those, it's one of those words for pastors or, or for guys like this guy here. He's a, that's a theology nerd. And they're, they're also known as a, as a pastor, right? Not all theology nerds are pastors. But all pastors are theology nerds, if that makes any sense. So I'm not a pastor yet, but I'm a, theolo- a theology nerd. I go to a school with a bunch of theology nerds, right? And we're all trying to be pastors. And uh, most pastors went through that process too, where they were going to school to be a professional theology nerd, right? And, and just a little point, if you uh, want to make your theology nerd really happy, uh, theology nerd plus old books, right? Equals extremely happy theology nerd, right? AKA nerding out. That's, that's him nerding out, right? And that's about, my wife can testify, that's about the look I get on my face when I go to Steele's Christian Used Bookstore where they have all these old books or I get to buy some old books from the library that they've, you know, they're so old that they don't want them in the library anymore. And I get, ooh, old books. Uh, my wife can tell you, that, that's about the look I have on my face. That's about right. I got to pick up some books at the library not too long ago that were from uh, the 1860s, these old commentaries. And I was like, oh, that, uh, literally, that was my face. Um, but, you know, I'm a theology nerd because I just can't help it. Right? And, and, and being a theology nerd, you, you kind of be like, I don't understand why everybody's not a theology nerd. Right? And, I, and I think to myself... What topic of study or discussion or thought could be so interesting, could be more interesting or rewarding as a Christian than to study the glorious, almighty maker and sustainer of every atom in the universe whose, whose attributes represent the apex of perfection, whose character is inexhaustible in depth and transcendence, and whose presence as loving Father is the never-ending gift of grace to those who love Him. And so that's, I'm a theology nerd because I can't help it. And while at the end of this, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you all have to be theology nerds. I'm not saying this has to be you, right? So don't get that, all right? Theology is a hard thing to talk about because it is something that people want to, you know, start snoozing and nodding off. But I hope that at the end of this, we can all understand that, uh, if you want to hit the next one, that theology is not just 
for pastors and theology nerds. Right? Theolo it's not just for people who, like this guy here with his book of awesome, awesome book full of biblical truth by dead guy. Right? Right, my kids thought that was hilarious, the by dead guy. And that's not what we're here to say you have to be. We're not here to make you all into theology nerds. All right, but I'm hoping that today you can at least understand the need for and the benefit of a biblical theology. Because right, it's important that our, um, our theology comes from the Bible. Right? And that's really what this is all about. All right. Can you imagine, there's a lot of people out there who say, I don't care about theology, that's not something I need to know about. Can you imagine if you know, such a person was to just walk into a bar, I know we don't go to bars, uh, walk into a coffee shop and walk up to a lady and sit down and say, I love you and I want to marry you. And you go, what? Hold, hold on a second. It's like, well, I mean, I know the basics. You're a woman, I'm a man, you're moderately attractive, I'm moderately attractive. I know all the basics, and that's all I need to know. So let's just get married. Right? But that's not how that works. And we can't approach our faith that way either. Okay? We can't just say, well, I know all the basics. That's good enough for me. I'm just going to go on. Because, you know, our, our relationship with God is, uh, is likened to a marriage so many times in the Bible. And so I want to... Uh, if you want to go to the next one there. We want to talk about, I'm going to try to get two reasons why biblical theology is important for us, us as individuals, and us as a church, as Tower View, and as the church in general. All right? And like I said, please, you know, try to stay awake. I know it's theology. I know it's, even I fall asleep in theology class, but usually that's because I've been working at UPS all morning, but... Uh, the idea behind this mark of a healthy church, behind the idea of a biblical theology, is that the content of our faith must come from the Bible. Right? The content of what we believe is absolutely important. It's not enough to just believe. Right? And I'm not, I, I sound like I'm hitting a broken, or being a broken record here because last time I was up here, I had the pleasure of preaching on Thomas, and one of the big things we talked about was faith and what faith looks like. And I, I don't... I don't want to necessarily beat a, beat a drum here that I've already beaten before, but the Bible does make clear that our co the content of what we believe is absolutely important. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it. Right? That's what biblical theology is all about, having a theology that's biblical. And where last week we talked about, uh, not last week, last time, Nelson talked about the importance of expo uh, expositional preaching. Right? That's the how. How are we taught? We're taught through the preaching of the word. This gets to what we are taught. Right? The content of our faith is vitally important. And the second point that I want, I want to try to say is that sound theology is the foundation for what we are as Christians and what we do as Christians. Right? And the church. Okay? It's for all of us. All of you and all of us together. Right? Everything that we are and everything that we do is built on a, the, uh, on a theological foundation. What we believe is going to matter. What you believe about anything matters so much. All right? it's, it's hard to really fathom how much it matters. Now, can you imagine if you were to be in a church or in a setting where someone read 1 John 3, 2. And that reads, Beloved, we are God's children. We are God's children now. And what will we be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Right? Now, if you, were gonna, if you were sitting next to a, a Mormon, that's what I said, maybe not church, but if you were sitting next to a Mormon, they're going to take that a whole other way. We shall be like him? Great, we're going to be God's. Right? Where we take that, oh, we're going to be like him, we're going to be resurrected and renewed in a new body. So what you believe really matters. And it shapes how we read the Bible and what our expectations are for the Christian life. 
All right. So to, to talk about this, it's, it was really hard to try to pin down one verse. So we're going to do some Bible hopping. And I hate to do that because that kind of goes against the idea of the expositional preaching that Nelson talked about last month. But this is the topic that we have. And so this is what we're going to do here. We're going to bounce around through uh, Paul's epistles to Timothy and Titus. Okay, I, I tried to limit it to, to three books. Okay, three books. Hey, I said this was from Genesis Revelation. I narrowed it down to three, guys. Okay, all right. Now we di I did the best I could. Okay, all right. And I hope that as we we go through this, we conquer the idea of biblical theology. We understand that, like I said, that this is not something just for some ivory tower scholars or just for the men behind this pulpit, but it's a responsibility for all of us as Christians to have a biblical theology. All right. So as Point one, to flesh that out, we're going to bounce through a few Bible verses. And the first one, if you want to, uh, yeah, the content of our faith must come from the Bible. And the, what the Bible says about itself really belies this fact. Uh, to start with 2 Timothy 3.16, right, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That's a theological statement about the inspiration of the Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, right, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Right, so Paul's saying here that the Bible itself is given for the purpose of building us up, of teaching us our faith. So we can be taught, right, that reproof and correction, those are kind of two sides of the same coin, two sides of the same coin of, of reproving someone and rebuking them as necessary and correcting them when they go astray, right? So it's for teaching them, for correcting them, for training them in righteousness, showing them the way to go, right? All to the end that the man of God or person of God will be complete, complete as a person, as a person of faith, not lacking in anything. That's that complete, completeness, not lacking in anything, but complete. And in that completeness, that they would be equipped for every good work. And there's another verse that we're going to get to in a little bit that's going to pick up on that equipping for every good work as well. That's an important element of this. And our churches, we need to, our concern should not only be with how we're taught, but what we're taught. And we need to cherish this word soundness. Soundness is going to be in a lot of these upcoming verses. And we need to cherish soundness. Right? Soundness is this old-fashioned word. In, pa in, in Paul's pastoral letters that we're going to get to in Timothy and Titus, right, use this word sound. And it means reliable, accurate, and faithful, like sound, like something solid. Right? It's, this, it's this word meaning you know, whole or healthy, solid. Right? And, but before we get to his ones, I want to hit one more from Jude, or two verses from Jude, Jude 3. And Jude 3 reads, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And so Jude here, Jude understands that it's not just, it's not just enough to just talk about other things. He says, Beloved, I was very, he was very eager to talk to him about other stuff. He was very eager to write a letter like what Paul writes to Corinthians or something, or to Romans, or just expounding on theology, or just a letter to say, hey, how you doing? Right? He was very eager to him to write to him about this common salvation, but he finds it necessary to write, to appeal to them, to contend, contend, to fight for, to make a stand for this faith Right? We talked about that, that previous that this faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. This is a thing, this is a, a faith that has a content. Right? This faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all, and that that faith needs to be fought for. They need to be contending for that. So we can see this is, Jude understands that this is of vital importance. Right? And that next verse, there's, he talks about uh, to, to his audience again, reminding them, to be building yourselves themselves up. We're talking about building up, right? Building each other up. 
And not just building each other up, but building each other up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping themselves in the love of God and waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Right, so between these, you know, Jude has this picture of this faith as something that needs to be contended for. And this faith that we're to build each other up into. Right, and that comes through teaching and reading and understanding this word. And we're going to read in, in 1 Timothy 1, 10 through 11. And in uh, 1 Timothy 6, 3, uh, the, the first part there. Um, that whatever is contrary, Paul kind of talks about all these things that people are teaching these these sins, right? And he talks, and then he as contrasts that he contrasts that those those false doctrines with the sound instruction. And so First Timothy one, start, starting in kind of the second half of verse ten. And whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which I have trusted with you. So he, he, he makes this distinction between their false doctrine, right, whatever is contrary to sound doctrine, right? But don't teach those things. Teach what's in accordance or what, what conforms to the gospel of the glory of God. Because right? the gospel isn't just the kind of ABCs of the Christian faith. It's not just the beginning point. And we're going to see as we go through these verses that it's not just the beginning point of the faith. Christianity, you know, Christianity isn't just, well, you know, the gospel kind of gets you in the door. That's the, the kind of get your ticket punch and then you move on to other things. But the gospel is the A through Z of the Christian faith. It's everything. Right? If you have a book on biblical theology, they have books like this. And as you read through those books, it's gospel, 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 gospel. Everything is tied. Everything is related to the gospel. And man, it can be daunting to read a book that thick. It can be read, daunting to read a big theology book, a big theology textbook. But it all comes down to the gospel. All that book is trying to do is flesh out as much as possible the gospel. Because the gospel is the, the heart and the core of the Christian faith. And so Tim, you know, Paul is, is trying to impress upon Timothy the importance of the sound doctrine. Right? And he says in 2 Timothy 6.3, he says, If anybody teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, and he continues in verse 4, that he has puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. And so not only are we supposed to teach, you know, not teach the things that are contrary to sound doctrine, you know, Everybody who teaches a different doctrine teaches a doctrine that doesn't conform with godliness and they're puffed up. So we see this importance, this vital importance from Paul to Timothy that this idea of sound doctrine, sound teaching, right? a biblical theology, what you believe about God being based upon sound teaching. Right here he says, the, the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, where do you find those? But in the Bible. The sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, they're, they're, it's in the Bible. Right? They're not found anywhere else. It's in the Bible. And so Paul understands that this is where it has to start. This is where it ends. It starts and ends with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the teaching that accords with that. The teaching that goes along with that. And that teaching that goes along with that, that's where we find kind of in the rest of the Bible, is the teaching of not just the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, but the teaching that, as he says here, accords with godliness. All right? And in 1 Timothy 1, 10 through 11, the, the teaching that is in accordance with that gospel, that, that conforms to that same gospel. And in his second letter to Timothy, in the, in the next slide, the the second letter to Timothy, Paul exhorts Timothy even more to there we go, to follow the patterns of the sound words. Again, he repeats these. Right? He doesn't just repeat these because Paul likes to hear himself talk. Okay? That might be me, but that's not Paul. 
right? Paper is expensive in these days. Paper is expensive, and it takes a lot of work to write out a letter to send to a whole bunch of people, okay? <laughs> Paul repeats these words because they are important. They are vital importance. They're vital importance to Timothy and the church that Timothy is going to be leading. Right? And he exhorts him to follow the pattern of the sound words in First Timothy, second, uh, second Timothy, sorry, one thirteen. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Right? And these are the words that he says in faith and love. They're in Christ Jesus. Right? Keep what you heard from me as this pattern of sound teaching. Sound words. And he continues in that same letter in 2 Timothy 4, 3. And he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have for themselves itching ears. And they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from, the, from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So this is a we see this theme running through these where Jude talks about the faith as something that needs to be fought for. We need to contend earnestly for the faith. And Paul exhorting Timothy at the importance of sound teaching contrary to the false teaching. And this isn't a light matter to be taken. And Paul warns Timothy that a time will be coming. And I'd argue is now here. When people won't endure sound teaching anymore. And this will result in their turning away. Turning away from the faith. And I know a few of you are in my Pilgrim's Progress class. And there's this straight and narrow road that's laid out before Pilgrim. is this journey of the Christian life. The straight and narrow road that Jesus talks about. All right? And this is this turning away from that. That leaving the faith that's once for all delivered to the saints, leaving and straying from that gospel will lead to turning away from the faith. And in Titus, Paul continues that same message. He wrote to another young pastor and has similar concerns. And he tells that anyone, to Titus, talking about anybody who would appoint as an elder, that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. And why? Why is this So that he himself can be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to be able to rebuke those who contradict it. And we're going to get into a lot of the, the kind of so what and where the rubber meets the road here in just a second. But we can see here that this trustworthy word is to be taught and is to be instructed. All right? it, it matters what they believe. That the first duty of the, of the officers of the church is to teach. Right? And not just to teach for the take of teaching, but to teach you guys so that you guys can teach your children, so that you can teach your spouse, so that you can spread the word. All right? And so the next verse here in uh, Titus 1, 13 through 14 this is all to the end that they might be sound in the faith. So this teaching isn't just in vain. It's not just, you know, because, again, we don't just teach because we like ourselves talking. We don't teach just because. But it says in 13 and 14, they teach for a very specific purpose. So that they may be sound in the faith. Not devoting themselves to he says, here he's talking about specifically the Jewish myths, talking about the Judaizers who were coming in saying, well, you can't be saved unless you're circumcised and you have to follow all these laws. Right? But giving themselves to myths. We saw that a couple of verses ago about people wandering off into myths. And Paul picks up that same theme again, talking about we need to teach them so that they may be sound in their faith. Not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who want to turn them away from the truth. There's people who want to turn you away from the truth. The world wants to turn you away from the truth. Our own flesh that we battle against wants to turn us away from the truth. Right? The devil wants to turn us away from the truth. These are the three enemies that you know, theology, you know, the, the theologians of the past identified as our chief enemies. The world, our flesh, 
and the devil. All of those battling against us. Battling us to turn us away from the truth. And that's why it matters so much. That's why, and, and Jude says we have to contend. We have to fight. Right? There's this word for, you know, old-timey kind of fisticuffs, right? You know, we have to fight for the faith. We have to fight. Because there are people out there, and there are forces out there that want to turn us away. It's not just an easy thing of just kind of staying around and hanging around. And there's one more verse in verse uh, in Titus, verse two one, where he wraps it up. He wraps up this talk, saying that we must teach what accords with sound doctrine. And so. As we head into, I, I want to try to change focus now from not just talking to you about what the, I hope we've seen from the Bible, that what the Bible tells us is that what we believe matters, right? We, it, is, it is important, from Paul's perspective, it is important that we believe sound doctrine. What we believe matters, right? That there are, there are false doctrines and true doctrines, and it matters which ones you hold. Right. Paul will rebuke the Galatians and call them stupid Galatians because they fell aside. They, how quickly you just deserted the faith and you turned right aside. And I was just there and I talked to you guys about this. Right. Paul ta- In Galatians, Paul sounds like me talking to my children. Like, we just went over this. And we're right back at it again because it's a real battle. It's a real fight. A real fight for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. This faith that we give, that you've been given. This content in the Bible. This is the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Right? This is where having a physical Bible would be nice. This, this, the Bible, right? The Bible right here. The faith once for all delivered to the saints. Right? Okay? It's not my phone, but the phone has the Bible, right? The faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Right? And that's the faith that we have to hold to. That's the faith that is contained within the Bible, defined in the Bible. Okay? So it matters what we believe. Theology is of vital importance to the Christian faith. And I'm going to talk to you about a few reasons why that is here. Four areas. Four areas where biblical theology impacts us in the church. Because sound theology is the foundation for what we are and what we do as the church. And these four areas are, are you know, I mean, just like the biblical theology would be from everything from Genesis to Revelation, we could talk about a thousand different things, a thousand ways where what we believe matters. All right? But we're going to just, I'm just going to focus on four as we wrap this up. Four things that I want you to, when we leave here today, I want you to know these four things, four reasons, at the very least, why it matters what you believe and why you believe it. Four things why we need to care about theology. Four reasons why, when you hear the word theology, it shouldn't be the, the sedative, okay? Trust me, I, I know that sedative power. Hopefully I'm not that set of a power for today. I think, I see, I don't see too many eyes closed, so we're all right. You, if you're, you are, your eyes closed, that's all right, you're just praying, so I know how that goes too. So these four areas where biblical theology impacts us as individuals and us, the church, right, are evangelism, discipleship, unity, and worship. All right? And the first one of those is evangelism. And like I talked about, why, why, really, evangelism? Biblical theology, evangelism? I don't get it. But the gospel is doctrine. The gospel is theology. Right? Anytime you say something about God, it's theology. Okay? Even if you say, you know, some, it's not as common now, but, you know, no creed but Christ, right? I just, just love Jesus and that's, that's all I care about. That's a theological statement. You just made a creed. Right? 
the gospel is doctrine. Simply put, we can't share what we don't know. Can you imagine? I know this has happened to me, but can you imagine walking up to a group of people and they're talking about football? I, I, I know I made some baseball jokes last time. I know baseball. I haven't followed football since I was in high school playing football, which was a long time ago. Can you imagine walking up to a group of people and they're talking about football? Right? And they're talking about, oh, yeah, we really footballed out there today. You know, can you believe those football guys really throwing around that football, blah, 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 you know, until I don't know about football. How comfortable would you be if you knew nothing about football walking into that conversation? How would that feel for you to walk into a conversation where people are sitting there talking about football, football, football? Oh, the Chiefs, you know, this guy did this thing and it was awesome. And did you see that last night? You have no idea what you're talking about. Right? Oh, he scored some, you know, he scored points and did the sports thing. And, you know, his salary is more than most small countries. Right? And so, can you imagine how would that, how would you feel walking into that knowing nothing of what they're talking about. Right, would you be able to participate in that conversation? Or would you do what I do? You just kind of stand there and smile and nod and slowly back away. It's not about theology. I can get into that. But sometimes about football. And like, oh, okay, that's great. That's nice that you watched that. That's, hey, cool. I right, just slowly back away. Okay. But as we are, as, as we inform ourselves as to what we believe and why we believe it. You might not have every answer, and you're not called to have every answer. I don't have every answer. Darren doesn't have every answer. None of my teachers at seminary have every answer. Nobody has every answer. But what we try to do is inform ourselves to try to have as many answers as we can. Try to inform ourselves to understand what we believe and why we believe it. And if someone asks you some weird question you don't know about, it's okay to say, I don't know. But as we inform ourselves what we believe, why we believe it, that allows us to be effective right, in what we do. In order to be effective as salt and light in the world, we're called to be salt and light in the world. In order to be effective in that, we must be steeped in biblical theology. We must be steeped in sound doctrine. Okay? And that doctrine is the gospel and everything that that pertains to. That's all theology is, remember? Theology is the gospel and all that that means. Right? And as we're steeped in that, I like that word steeped. Anybody like tea? I like tea. All right, my wife said, I like tea. Okay? You steep tea. You take the tea and you soak it in the water. All right? And it, becomes, you know, it makes tea because tea leaves by themselves are kind of useless. Right, and you have to steep it in the water. And we have to be, we have to be steeped in the gospel. Because okay, without that, we're useless. We're just like you know, dry tea leaves that are kind of useless. I mean, they kinda t- I mean, I imagine they taste gross. I've never eaten dry tea leaves. But I imagine they don't taste good. I imagine, first of all, that they're dry. Right, and probably kind of tasteless. Until you soak them in some water and you make some tea. Right? And the same with us. We need to be steeped in sound doctrine. We need to be steeped in the Bible. Because that's the content of our, of our faith, is the Bible. We need to be steeped in understanding what we believe and why we believe that. Because in so doing, we can be equipped to serve our neighbor. We, we, we won't be the guy walking up to the football conversation having no idea what they're doing, what they're talking about. We're walking into a field and into a conversation where we are equipped, where we're knowledgeable, where we know what we're talking about. All right, and that goes beyond just knowing kind of the Christianese stuff, where we know exactly, we know really what we believe, and we know really why we believe that, and when we're solid in that, the, as solid as we can be, as we grow, obviously, in that, and that's going to be the next point of discipleship, as we grow in that, right, through discipleship, okay, we can answer those questions more and better, but it has to start with us understanding that it's important to know these things. And discipleship, um, a verse, uh, John seventeen seventeen, 
Jesus praying for his followers. And Jesus specifically says, I don't pray just for them, but for everyone who will believe because of their testimony. He calls on God to sanctify them in the truth. Right? And he specifies, your word is truth. Talking to God the Father, your word is truth. To sanctify them in the truth. Right? Not just, you know, sanctify them in you know, self-esteem or sanctify them in, you know, just kind of squishy, lovey feelings. Sanctify them in the truth. Because it's in the truth that we're sanctified. Okay? And in, in Acts 2.42, we see that the early church was, was bound to this. The early church, Acts 2.42 describes the early church scene. Right, the dawn of the church, po just after Peter's Pentecostal sermon, uh, uh, you know, on, on the day of Pentecost where he preaches and thousands come to Christ, and this new body of believers, what do they do? Who are they? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. First and foremost was the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching about the gospel. That's what they devoted themselves to. And from that devotion came fellowship and a focus on what matters of the, of the ordinances of the churches, breaking the bread and praying. Right? And so we see this vital importance. Right? Christians, uh, I think I have another slide up there. One more thingy there. Christians grow by learning and living in light of the truth. Sorry, it's winter. It's very dry. Um, right? We learn and we're growing in either in, in sound doctrine. Okay, we're either you know these analogies we find throughout the scriptures of who we are. Right, together we are a body full of parts. All right, and in biology, would say that if you're not when you as soon as you stop growing, you start dying. Okay, so. And it takes a while for most of us, but as soon as you stop growing, the process of your eventual death begins. And so as Christians, as we think about that, as we're all parts of this body together, I want us to understand that either, you know, to, us together corporately and us as individuals, individually, individually, it's important that we're growing in our faith. Right, we're getting those roots down. Another picture that the Bible talks about is us being these plants. Jesus talks about this all the time, this harvest and these plants bearing fruit. Right? We need to put those roots down deep because droughts will come, storms will come. And I've seen many a tree toppled from shallow roots. I've seen many a tree just go from sometimes not even that much wind. Right? Tree, you have to set those roots down deep. It'll be rooted in your faith. And that stems from this idea of biblical theology, knowing what we believe and why we believe it. All right? And the third thing, the third thing, so we've got right, evangelism, discipleship, right, and unity. And being founded in our faith brings us together. All right? That same verse in Acts 2.42 talks about they have this fellowship together. And in Acts 2.44 it says that and all who believed were together. And they shared all things in common. Okay? And as the more we know, the closer we get to the heart of our faith, the more we can expect to see our unity expressed through shared understandings, right? Because we know what we believe. We know why we believe it. Okay, the early church put it this way. This goes way back. That in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, diversity. But all things charity, love. Okay? And knowing what you believe and why you believe it, un you can understand which ones are which. I know a lot of people, unfortunately, who have a lot of non-essentials in that essentials category. And they will fight you over things that really don't matter. Things like what kind of music we have. Right? Whether or not you use an instrument like this in church. Well, if you use an instrument like this in church, you are going to hell. I know, I know of churches that if a woman walked in there with pants, they'd say, get out. Get out. 
because they are not thinking clearly and they don't understand the importance of unity and they don't understand doctrine. You need to understand what you believe, why you believe it, what is the essentials. What are the non-essentials? Hey, if you don't want to wear pants, that's fine. I mean, you want to wear pants, that's fine. All right? I tell people like that. I said, listen, 2,000 years ago, no one was wearing pants. Okay? The only people who were wearing pants, you want to know, some people were. They were called barbarians. They lived in North Germany. Okay? Civilized people wore robes. Okay? So nobody was wearing pants. So is this really a fight we need to be fighting over? Right? The Psalms tell us of numerous instruments that David used. He used a lyre. Well, that's not a lyre. It's pretty close. Stringed instrument. Okay, it talks about tambourines. You get per percussion. Okay, but as we grow in our understanding of what we believe, why we believe it, we can understand this, this unity as we can come together. Because I know what I believe, and I know why I believe it. So if I talk to you and you disagree, if we disagree about something, we can talk about it. Because I know what I believe and I know why I believe it. And if you know what you believe and why you believe it, we can talk about that. Right? And that brings us together as we understand essentials, unity. Non-essentials, we can have some diversity. But in all things, we must have charity. Right? And, and uh, thirdly, or fourthly, worship. Our worship is a response to sound doctrine. So we worship what we know. And I know in, in Romans, Paul is going on this, this long treatise on biblical theology, talking about, I mean, the depths and the heights of really complicated things like election and and predestination and some really big, heavy, weighty stuff. And as he wraps up that, at the end of it, he's just so awed by God that in Romans 11.33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. He exclaims this, Oh, God, you're just, he's blown away by this. And so as he's, he's going through this theology and thinking about this theology, he's moved. He's moved to exp express this worship for God. And we see that throughout the Psalms as well. You know, Psalms 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. All right? And in Psalm... Uh, I didn't actually write this one down, and I meant to. It didn't make it into the PowerPoint. But um, in Psalm, I think it's 136, we have this repetition over and over again. For his mercy endures forever. Worship the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Because he did this thing, his mercy endures forever. Because he, did the, because he, he brought them through the Red Sea, his mercy endures forever. Because he passed over them in the Passover, his mercy endures forever. Because he brought them into the land, his mercy endures forever. And his mercy endures forever. Anyway, there's repetition of because of who God is, what he's done, we need to praise him. And you go through the Psalms, that's what you keep again and again and again. And John... Two, uh, 4, 22 through 24, Jesus picks this up, talking to a Samaritan woman. And he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him, God of spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Right? As we, the more we know God, the more I understand who God is, the stronger my faith is. Right? The more I know who God is, the bigger he becomes. The bigger he becomes and the bigger becomes, my faith grows in that. And that brings, me, that brings us all together through all those. As my faith grows bigger, I grow and I can evangelize more. As my faith grows, I, I'm, I'm, that's exactly what discipleship is. My faith is growing as I know who God is. 
And in that process, we get, we're brought together, and I can understand I can have unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that brings me to worship God all the more. Which brings us to one of my favorite verses to wrap up that part. My, one of my favorite verses, and uh, you know, Darren and I, we, uh, when we talk, I almost always bring up this verse, this passage. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And that reads, for some reason it didn't make it into my notes here. Is the whole verse going to be up there? Yeah. I think I deleted an extra slide here. My bad. Hold on. Please stand by. All right. So starting in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, the, the shepherds, the pastors, and the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building them up in the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, that rather by speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that passage really talks about what the purpose of the pastoral ministry with the purpose of us as a church, what we're all here for. All right? And it definitely hits on at least three. Uh, I see we found that slide. Um, three of these points here, at least in this one verse. All right? Evangelism. All right? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Like, wait, that didn't say evangelism. What's the work of the ministry? What are we called to do? Okay, we're called to be salt and light. The Great Commission, we're called to go and make disciples of all nations. This is the, the work of the ministry. When he talks about the work of the ministry, this is the work of the ministry. Evangelism, the sharing of the gospel. Okay, so we have here in this verse that the, the, we are to be about the business of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That you are here to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Okay, that theology is about equipping you for the work of the ministry. Work of the ministry, the, the being salt and light in the world, sharing the gospel. Okay, and discipleship for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, in, in what? In the knowledge of the Son of God. So not just building each other up, you know, patting each other on the back, hey man, cool. Making each other feel good, buddy, buddy. We're to be building each other up building up the body of Christ in the knowledge of the Son of God. Knowledge of the Son of God. It's not just all head knowledge, but the knowledge of the Son of God. Right, so that we can attain to this mature manhood, this maturity in the faith. Right, this maturity in the unity of the faith. Until we attain to the unity of the faith. And he goes on quite, bit, uh, quite a bit about that. The unity of the faith And so that we may no longer be tossed, tossed about to and fro like children. Right? They like this thing one day, they like this thing the next, they're all over the place, right? That we may not be deceived by human cunning and craftiness. But that by speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head. And from whom the whole body joined together, joined and held together, every joint with which it is equipped. All those joints being equipped for their job. Every body, be, every member being equipped. And when each part is working properly, having been built up, having been equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. And it builds itself up in love. And so this applies for us, in our faith, but also us in our place in the church. 
right? To bring it back full circle to, you know, we're talking about marks of a healthy church, right? Okay? And so, brings us to kind of the, this guy. Remember this guy? All right? With the awesome book full of biblical truth by dead guy. Okay? All right? Biblical theology is kind of a hard thing to talk about, right? Because it's theology. It's hard. We think about it, oh, you know, I don't want to get involved in all that. Okay? And I hope that today you know, we've kind of broken that barrier a little bit. and We've understood that biblical theology isn't just big scary words or things like this guy here. All right? Biblical theology is vitally important for us as individual Christians. And for us as a church, right, we can find no more potent fuel for action than robust theological study. When we know what we believe and why we believe it, that drives us to action. The more and deeper we know God, His character and what He has done for us, right, the more we know God, the better perspective we can maintain. Right? So much of what we do comes out of perspective. And the, the more I know God, the bigger God becomes. And the bigger God becomes, the smaller the things in life become. And I'm able to stay on track better. Right? So what, will we do? What, what do we do? Right? We talked about unity. We talked about discipleship. We talked about evangelism. We talked about worship. Right? Where do we start about that? Where do we do, what do we do? Right, well, we can learn about God. Right? We learn learning about God through reading about God, right? thinking and talking about God, thinking and talking about God with our spouses, thinking and talking about God with our friends, thinking about thinking about and talking about God with our pastor or or other theology nerds. See, I, I, I got you know the I got glasses. So I'm a theology nerd. I'm that guy. I have a stack. Of, I have stacks of books at home too. All right. Or we can start even with just thinking about. Talking about God. Okay? It doesn't have to be a big production. Alright? And as we wrap up here, one more slide there. Alright? We're not all called to be pastors. Okay? Right? We're not all called to be theology nerds. Okay? We're not all called to be this guy. Okay? But I hope that we understand that we are called be better Christians than we were yesterday, the day before. And we are called to be better disciples of Christ. And that's what this all comes down to. Us as individuals and us as the church. All right? Let us pray.